Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Dan and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. NASCAR fans, welcome to another episode of All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee. She is Tam. Hey, hey, hey. And we hope everybody had a wonderful 4th of July holiday weekend. I don't know what you guys did, but I'm sure everybody ate a lot of food. I know I sure did. How was your holiday, Tam? Did you eat a lot? No, I didn't. Believe it or not, I ate a little and I worked a lot. How about that? (laughs) Well, usually when you work a lot, you build up an appetite, so I'm surprised you didn't get, get around to, like, a lot of food. I had so much food. Oh, my God. I, I think I was going to puke after a while. I fell asleep. I got into sleep mode. I ate so much, it was just, it was ridiculous. I've never eaten that much in my life. Yeah, I saw your Instagram. It looked like you guys were frying some fish. <laughs> you had some burgers. You had some potato salad. We had everything, I think. <laughs> But it was fantastic. Over the weekend, a lot of things happened other than just the NASCAR races. If anybody hasn't heard, Kevin Durant has supposedly agreed to sign with the Golden State Warriors. Well, at this point, I guess you can say it did happen because he issued a long, long, long statement on the Players' Tribune. If you guys don't know, the Players' Tribune is a website where players post their feelings, their thoughts. And apparently they announced their next moves. Yeah, that's true. They don't necessarily have to have an interview with Jim Gray and tell the whole world where they're going to take their talents next. Hey, was that a a crack at LeBron? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? What if NASCAR drivers just went, you know what? I'm not sure where I'm going to go next. And I, I know everybody knows I'm leaving this team and I might go to another team. And they just had like this big interview and said, I'm taking my talents to Stuart Haas race. It was somewhat close to that right, with the drama with Kevin Harvick. And right. people were saying he was going here. And he kind of was like, what are you guys <laughs> talking about? Where do rumors get started from? Speaking of Kevin Durant and bringing it into NASCAR, some would say KD's move. Well, a lot of people on Twitter had a lot to say about KD's move to the Warriors just being pretty much a punk move. Personally, living in Los Angeles, remembering the Showtime Lakers when it was Magic Johnson, Byron Scott, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and of course, my main man, Kurt Rambis, who was scramble on the floor for a loose ball like nobody's business. That was a super team. One man, I don't care who you are, not even Michael Jordan, can get it done. We saw that when Clyde Drexler went to Houston. We saw that when Barkley even joined Houston. We saw that when Carl Malone and Gary Payton all went to the Los Angeles Lakers and tried to win a championship with uh, Shaq in there. What LeBron did and what Kevin Durant now is doing is nothing different other than it's probably more at the forefront because... Not to cut you off, it's just a huge thing when people like, yeah, he left to go join this team. Why not? You know, going back to NASCAR, bringing it into NASCAR... Kyle Busch left and joined up. You think about it. We posted on Instagram, what if Kyle Busch would never have left Hendrick Motorsports? Right. He's with Joe Gibbs Racing. Some would consider that a super team. Right. I mean, they're pretty stacked. Penske has Joy, who is each year right there in terms of almost winning the championship. Right. So there are super teams in every sport. Fortunately, in NASCAR, it's still about your individual performance. But the whole thought of a super team, it is what it is. Right. 
A team makes the dream. Right. And when you look at Penske, both Kislowski and Joey Logano have won a heck of a lot of races. And I think that makes them a superstar team in general. I just think it's something that just happens now in sports. And it's just, we have to accept it. These guys, they want to win. And if they can't seem to do it on their own terms, then they're just going to do it any way they can. I totally understand and see where they're going with that. One last comment to KD before we jump into our observations and comments on Daytona. Who's to say Kevin really left because he wanted to win? I mean, let's face it. I don't know if anybody lives in Oklahoma City, OKC. I will tell you close friend of mine who's like a brother to me played in OKC. I've been to a lot of games all over the United States. I never had a desire to go to a game in (laughs) OKC. Now, when OKC came here to the Los Angeles to play the LA Lakers and the LA Clippers, yeah, I was like, where's my ticket? Kevin, he's a young guy who wants to be in OKC. And I'll leave it at that, and we'll go from OKC to Daytona, Florida. Yeah, let's go straight to Daytona. Congratulations to the number two car, Brad Keselowski, for winning the Coke 0400 at Daytona Speedway. So there's so many things to talk about this particular race because there seems like a lot of things happen, and I don't even know where to begin. Why don't we do this? Let's go back before we start talking about Daytona, maybe a little 24 hours before that for the Xfinity, because it seems like that kind of spilled over into what happened at the Coke 400. So listen, the Xfinity race, congratulations to Eric Amarola. He wins the uh, Xfinity race there. The big one. There was a big one in the Xfinity race. There was a big one in the Coke Zero 400. I don't even know where to begin with these two big accidents, but they seem like they had an impact on how the end of the race ended. Yeah, they did. I mean, let's start with the Xfinity race and how it all went down with Eric Amarola. Yes, and if you don't know and if you didn't see the race or you didn't happen to catch it, you can look at all this stuff uh, and Google it uh, on the ESPN websites and stuff. But uh, there was a big accident that happened going into the last lap of the Xfinity race. And Eric Amarola was in the lead, and Justin Allgaier was right behind him. There's an accident that ensues that David Reagan, apparently, I don't know if he started it, created it, or what happened, but he was involved in it. And he was actually leading the race at one point. Yeah, he, I mean. He was in the hunt to win that race. Well, let Austin Dillon tell it Bubba Wallace started it. Yeah, that's right. We'll talk about that. Go ahead. Right, right. So uh, I guess depending on who you're asking, uh, anybody could have started that race. I'm surprised somebody didn't. Started that. Yeah, I'm surprised somebody didn't blame Danica Patrick. Started that wreck, not the race. Or started that wreck. Sorry about that. Yeah. So anybody could have started that wreck. But I guess in any case, David Reagan seemed to just go into the wall, take out a couple of other cars as they were going into the last lap, already starting into the last lap. Eric Amarola, Justin Allgaier are literally... They're too wide, basically, through almost the entire lap. Now, the crazy thing was is that they didn't throw the caution. A caution flag never came out as soon as that wreck happened. So I'm confused a little bit, probably like some of you fans are. I figured that that caution flag would have come out immediately, but I kind of understood maybe because it was going into the last lap, And maybe they kind of wanted to see how the wreck played out. If the wreck moved off the track, maybe the cars could still make it. No, there was no excuse because it was the big one. How do you... 
figured that the cars are going to move off the track. There was so many cars involved. Everybody was confused. I think even the announcers were confused because I know the fans at home and everybody in Twitterville was confused. Mm -hmm. It was like watching something in slow motion. In fact, I was actually at the yard house having dinner with a friend of mine who knows absolutely nothing about NASCAR. And she watched the race with me. And in between us talking about her kids and her husband, she kept asking me, hey, so what's happening? Oh, I know this. And unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, she knew about some of the NASCAR fights, which was interesting. And I had to explain to her, I said, no, this is not that particular League. This is the Junior League. This is the Xfinity League. But nonetheless, when the cars were flipping and she was like, oh, my God, they're going to let them race. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of weird. And not only was that weird, after the race ended, how they stopped them on the track like that. Yeah. She asked me what was going on. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure. This You're talking to somebody who watches NASCAR every weekend. I'm not saying I'm the expert because I can't tell you too much about drafting and all that kind of stuff, but I know the rules and I was like, yeah, what's going on? You know, I was confused. Yeah, I think most fans were confused and I was like, are they going to call a caution or or are they going to let these cars like come all the way around and crash into these other cars that were crashed before that? I didn't get it, but they called the caution right as they were coming around out of turn four. And I even saw some of the reaction of the crowd where the angle of the camera like caught some of the crowd. And even the crowd's reaction, you saw people standing up with their arms in the air and their their shoulders raised like, what's going on? Like, what's really happening right here? But either way it goes, Eric Amarola, they decided that he was in the lead by the time the caution came out and declared him the winner. And congratulations to Eric Amarola. Uh, what a tough year he's been having. And I'm sure that this Xfinity win probably helped him out a lot. Maybe even going into some of the other races that are left in the year. Yeah, and it fittingly was on the King's birthday. Yeah. So congrats to you. I do want to talk about Austin Dillon's <clears throat> comments after the race because he raced an Xfinity race. Right. You know, he had a lot of kind of side comments about Bubba Wallace that I didn't really appreciate. Yeah. Not anything other than it came across as if he was trying to blame the number six with all the side comments about these guys get anxious. And I knew the number six. Well, what did you really know? Yeah. Like, come out and say what you wanted to say instead of all these side comments. Beat your chest like a man. And you, you know, know not that Bubba would have fought. Right. Because Bubba, I don't think, is a fighter. He seemed more like a lover than a fighter. Right. But, and then again, I don't know. With Austin? Well, yeah, no. Beat Bubba I don't know. they got in a fight? That's a good question. I don't know. But nonetheless, <laughs> I felt that the side-eye comments were a little too much. Well, everybody has their own opinion about who started or who was at fault in a wreck. Everybody's opinion is different depending on what position that you are in. So I totally understand that. Well, it's interesting because Jamie McMurray and Jimmy Johnson had conversations after the big one in the Sprint Cup race. Right. And most people say it was Jamie's fault. Who knows? Everybody has an opinion. But since we're talking about Sprint Cup, Let's get into exactly what happened with that. The big one was definitely a big one. It took out 22 cars. Yes, it did. It was absolutely huge. There wasn't a whole lot of cautions, first of all, during that whole entire race. But I thought that that accident made up for 
any other cautions that weren't <laughs> that, that didn't happen during yeah. the race because that was pretty big and it delayed the race a little bit there. But I thought that Jamie McMurray could have been maybe the person that started that whole accident, but. God, there were so many cars that were involved. It's like you literally had to go back and look at the replay like a handful of times to like really like understand like really like what happened. But either way it goes, that entire race took out a lot of good drivers and and some big name drivers. It's interesting because most people felt Jamie McMurray started it, but I did see some chatter and some comments on Twitter that it was Jimmy's fault. Either way, Jamie had words for Jimmy Mm -hmm. after the race and all i can think about is is jimmy gonna punch well is he gonna get punched because we know jimmy is a he likes to talk and it's just coincidentally but reposted a video on instagram as well as twitter of martinsville in 2011 when greg biffle ran up on jimmy and jimmy was like can we just talk and greg biffle had already manhandled him and turned him around and was like we are talking so nonetheless when i saw jamie up in jimmy's face i said oh my god is is jamie gonna throw a punch and then i said nah because even if he does throw one it'll be like kevin harvick and jimmy last year when kevin came up in the haulers and kind of (laughs) Got in Jimmy's face. Jimmy's going to say, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, sometimes it's nothing to talk about. Yeah, there isn't. I'm a Tony Stewart girl. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing to talk about. In fact, where's my helmet? Exactly. You know, you know why? If I come over and punch you, you know why I punch you. I'm not going to sit there and talk about why I'm going to get ready no. to fight you. Well, no, I mean, it just happens. Going back to the cautions and speaking of Tony, Tony escaped the big one. Yeah, he did. And Only he... to be collected... <laughs> By his own tires, still That's true. I was like, oh, man, he missed that entire big wreck. And then just to go out like that, and especially towards coming at the end of the race, because he was really racing very I well. Know. I like, I know you had to be disappointed, because you sounded so disappointed. I mean, he was so happy. He was, you know, I like to listen to the radios right. during the race. And at one point, I think I listened to Tony's radio about a good 30 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tony was singing. He was like, this is how we do it. I yeah, it was like, like he was on the freeway. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, was, he was in the car having a good old time. I was like, this is the smoke that I know, the smoke that we all love. But then he was taken out. Yeah, I mean, he was so but comfortable. But not by another car. He was just taken out by a bad tire. Yeah, I mean, and he was just so comfortable behind that wheel. Where him winning the race before really just kind of gave him a complete different mentality and confidence booster that he was that comfortable in that car and that race it's amazing how uh, (laughs) one race could change a driver's mentality yeah i mean well as somebody who listens to his radio each week he's always in an okay mood but this race he was happy you know i had to laugh especially after joy logano pretty much took out kurt bush right i was like boy if he would have did that to tony (laughs) Tony would have got out. We would have saw some real fighting. Yeah. Yeah, you you probably would have. I don't know. This guy, Joy, and you guys, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Joy took out Kurt Busch. Mm -hmm. Do not be fooled. Do not think it was anything other than Joy took Kurt Busch out on that last lap. Interesting enough, I tweeted. I was thinking it. My heart was pounding. I was like, you know what? Somebody about to do something foolish, and I think it's going to be Joey Logano. I could see that yellow car with the red 22 
He was in the inside, then he was on the outside. Next thing you know, they came on the curve. He was over here. You couldn't keep up with him. He was bobbing. He was weaving. Do I sound like Muhammad Ali? I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he was doing a lot, and then I was like, he's about to do something foolish. I actually thought he was just going to go for it. Next thing I know, I see Kurt Busch flying all off in the infield. This goes to show you that I'm surprised, and this is just my personal opinion, it's stuff like this that happens why I get so surprised that there's not more fights in the sport of NASCAR because as a fan, I'm looking at it going, it pisses me off like to see that. Let's be honest. Let, let's be real for a second. Like He knew what he was doing. Come on. Is it a coincidence? No. And I would have knew what I was doing exactly. when I got out my car and whooped that butt. Right. I mean, because Kurt Busch could have easily won that race. And although Kislowski dominated that race the entire day. Yeah, he day, dominated. Kurt Busch could have easily walked away with that W. And for somebody else and such a coincidence that Kislowski's teammate happened to be the one to spin me out. Super team, super teams. Man, we talked about it earlier. I'm not having that. You, you, you know, Tam, you feel what I'm saying? Like, I'm jumping, like, as soon as my my car stops spinning, I'm jumping out. I'm headed over to bust some heads. Okay, Seriously. if you guys don't know, Renee's the lover. I'm the fighter. Yes. Because I would have whooped that butt. <laughs> Let me say it again. Yeah, you would have. But Kurt Busch is so, like, he was so well-mannered, you know, okay. during the interview. I was let's, like, let's paint this picture. Had that have been Kevin Harvick, oh. it would have been fists and blisters flying. Imagine if Jeff Gordon was still racing and that happened to be him. Yeah, but you know what? Jeff, he gets excited, but Kevin would have threw a punch. Yeah. And, of course, Greg Biffle would have threw oh, a punch. Greg Biffle definitely would have. Maybe it's me, but Biffle is like the silent type. He doesn't look like he'll do damage, but he gets himself worked up. Yeah, but it's like all the other drivers go, okay, he may not show anger very much, but I'm not going to piss him off because when he does. Yeah, yeah we he, already know. Yeah, he goes crazy. Well, I mean, I feel maybe Kurt Busch didn't have much to say because he's still trying to clean up his image from what happened last year. Right, right. You know, and he's getting married and all that stuff, which is crazy that he's getting married so fast after yeah. all the drama. Oh, yeah, but gosh. we won't even go there. Yeah, that's, we won't even that's bring that their up. personal uh, That's life. a completely different show. It's interesting because I know... Pinsky was defending Joey. Yes. So Roger Pinsky told the media afterwards that he didn't think that Joey Logano did it on purpose. He told the media that he believes Joey Logano's reputation sometimes gives him a bad break and that things happen on the track and Joey Logano happens to be there. He's just blamed for it because of his history or his reputation. And I can kind of understand that, but in this particular case, I'm not buying that because it's just too coincidental and you're not going to sell me on that. I'm sorry. I understand that you want to take up after your driver, but that was completely Joey Logano's fault. He knew what he was doing. I'm just being real here. That's my honest opinion. His reputation is based on his actions. Right. This is what he does. He does foolishness all the time. He's a great driver. I like the guy, but his reputation is based on his actions. He's always there, mm -hmm. somehow, some way. Who else bumped Kurt Busch? And Kurt Busch made a good point. He's like, how are you going to be in fifth place and then make a move like you're going to try to go to first? 
Like, really, dude? Like, that's not going to happen. Like you know? I like, said, he was all over the track. I kept thinking to myself, he's in the inside. He's in the outside. Then I lost him for a second because he was making a move. But the reality is he was only moving from right to left. <laughs> right. And at one point, I thought right before they were coming onto that last lap, I saw that Logano had an opportunity like a few laps before that where, like, okay, he could actually try to take first place. Now, he's going against his teammate, Brad Kislowski, but I'm thinking, okay, does he try to pass Kislowski? Does he try to help Kislowski? What does he do at this point, you know, with his teammate? And then maybe him trying to win the race. But then towards the end of the race, on that last lap, I'm going, okay, he's in fifth. There's no way he can win this race at this point. And then that happens. I just can't swallow that very good. I, I'm sorry. I, it's, I'm not sold on that. Yeah, I'm I sorry. Mean, what makes it so bad? It wasn't even like the guy was racing for first, second, or third. If you guys don't know, Brad, of course, won, as we said earlier. Kyle Busch was in second, and he yeah. came in second. Carl Edwards, who was, and that's, that's to my point. Carl Edwards was right there, and we don't, we didn't even hear his name right. like that. And then Jimmy Johnson came in for. But again, Joy, all you heard was Joy, all you saw was Joy. But yet, Joy didn't come in first, second, or third. And like Kurt said, you're in fifth. What are you doing? Yeah. And you know what? Regardless of what the circumstances were at the end of that race, one thing that you could see at the end of the race was there were names in the top 10 that you don't normally ever see and anywhere near the top 10. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. being one, Trevor Bain being another. It allowed a lot of these other drivers to finish in a good spot. Yes. And Cole Witt. Cole Witt. Cole, Cole Witt. Witt. He came in 11th. I that? have followed this guy's career from pretty much since he came in Sprint Cup. I've gotten an opportunity to interview him a couple of times, got a chance to hang out with him. I've done a live interview on Periscope with him. He is such a sweet guy. So I was so excited to see when he came in 11th. If you guys don't know, Cole usually starts around 35th or so mm -hmm. each race. He usually finishes each race around 33rd, but this was the one time he almost got a top 10 finish, but to me, 11th place is like a top 10 finish for a guy who is from a smaller team that doesn't necessarily have the equipment that a Hendrix or a Joe Gibbs racing has. So to see this guy, the ginger lion, because that's what he's known as, redhead kid, right? call him the ginger lion, mm -hmm. even though his personality is far from a lion, it's more of a purr than a roar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he can get feisty, though. But, oh, I'm sure he could. But he's, he's such a sweet guy. Yeah. Nonetheless, I was so excited for him. Again, Cole Wick, Cole Wick, Cole Wick. I was also, Glad to see you come in 11th. And I was also excited to see the guy who finished right behind him come in 12th, which was the number 13 car, Casey Mears. Casey, yes. Yeah, Casey Mears was the first driver I had ever met at my first ever NASCAR race. Shouts out to Casey Mears and his crew for finishing 12th on, on that race. And it would have been nice to see him get in the top 10. But nevertheless, you finished 12th, my brother. And shouts out to you and your crew uh, for finishing 12th. And hopefully all of these guys can continue even a little bit more success in the next races that are uh, at the end of the year. So good luck to everybody. Seriously, this is what I love about sometimes NASCAR is that not that I like to see huge wrecks like that because I don't like to see anybody hurt. I don't like to see anybody get injured, but it is nice to see sometimes 
where this kind of maybe just allows some of the other race car drivers who don't normally get recognized because they finish so way behind in the pack to be up in the front and actually get recognized for being NASCAR drivers just in general, but being really good NASCAR drivers. There's a reason why they're in this sport. There's a reason why they're on the national stage that they are because they're drivers. And you know what? And everybody has got a competitive bug and i know that they're trying to get there so good luck to everybody in the uh, next few races to come so with that being said well before you say whatever it is you're about to say and before we even go into what's going on in nascar we always try to cover some of the hot topics right kyle larson and chase elliott oh man uh, where are you at with your thoughts and i don't know <laughs> in fact we know chase didn't finish the race because he got caught in the big one right what, what happened to kyle Kyle actually finished really good in the race. He actually finished in the top 10. He finished number six. And I know Chase didn't finish that race because of the accident. Yeah, Boy, Chase, is in is... The, Chase is in the chase. Yeah, he's, As he's of in today, the chase. If it started today, Kyle is... Kyle is still on the outside looking in with a lot of other good drivers. But I think if you're going to make a move, it's just like I said last week, I think Kyle needs to make a move. He needs to make it really, really fast and really soon. There's too many drivers that are getting in and there's too many drivers that are ahead of him that he needs to start scoring some points. This is a great start, him finishing sixth. Obviously, he's going to get some points, but I think he's got to do something else. He's, he's got to pull a, a rabbit out of his hat. He has to win, basically, yes. because I believe there's going to be a lot of drivers who get in based on points. Yeah. Because you already now you have Brad Keselowski who's won multiple races and there are what, ten more races left yeah. to the chase. There are gonna be some repeats. And that's and that winners. sounds like a lot of races, but it's, but it's really, really not. not. No, it's not. Well, I'm rooting for Kyle, but I'm also rooting for Chase. It would be great if they both got in. I kind of feel as if Austin Dillon is becoming the villain of the three. Mm. I think where I'm going is that I'm hoping that Kyle and Chase gets in before Austin. Oh my God! Can I say Did that? Did you just say that? I, you, I, don't know. I think you just said that, but that, which is totally really fine. I just, don't. I mean, Ryan Blaney is actually in the chase. If it started today, if, am I correct on that? Yeah, I think you are. Wow, which is really interesting because who would have thought Ryan Blaney would be in the chase before Austin Dillon? What's really interesting is that the rookie of the year race is heating up. Because we have Chase and we have Ryan competing. Yeah. Ryan's always, actually got that last spot. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about Kyle versus Chase, as in Kyle Larson. But let's you know, not forget, this is Kyle's sophomore year. Mm -hmm. This is not his rookie year. But it just seems as if he's a rookie. But nonetheless, I personally am rooting for Chase. And I am rooting for... Everyone except Austin. I don't know. <laughs> no, Austin, I'm I'm rooting for you. She's not an Austin hater. She's just... oh no, definitely not. I I I say this every week. That right. guy. If I'm drafting my super team of young drivers, Austin Dillon is yeah. definitely on it. I agree because he has spunk and he's a winner. He's won a lot in Xfinity races. He just hasn't won in Sprint Cup, but that guy's a winner. Yeah. So don't take me joking around, talking crap about Austin any other way. Because if I'm putting together my super team, that guy's on it. Wrapping up this whole Daytona situation, 
We are not going to end this podcast without talking about the commercials. There was a lot of commercials on that uh, race. I mean, I don't understand it. It was was commercial after commercial after commercial. Somebody pointed out it actually wasn't as bad as that one particular race that was on TNT last year where there were a lot of commercials. But like I tweeted... Fans are already not coming to the track. Right, and this is already an issue that NASCAR has already kind of addressed, but not really addressed. Yeah, but now you talk about you're ruining the TV experience. Mm -hmm. Like, at some point, enough is enough. You have tickets not being sold, stands are empty. Then you're almost, no pun intended, driving people to watch the race at home. But you don't even let them enjoy the racing experience at home because it's commercial after commercial after commercial. Right. And I think the one thing that I notice sometimes, too, when you watch the NASCAR races on TV, and I understand that it's a commercial, 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 commercial. And I understand that sometimes also that NASCAR likes to put that little picture-in-picture box up at the top where you can kind of continue to see the race. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know how you know how they yeah, make this? Yeah, it's called nonstop. Yeah. Yes, right. Nonstop with no vocals. Exactly. So you can kind of see the race, but you have to be still submitted to watching the commercial. It's not the same. And when you bring up commercial after commercial after commercial, it's just like, oh, God. You're like, not another one. You're like, okay. Like, I get it. It's a good. Like, yeah, how many, how we many, get you got to pay yeah, the bills. We right, totally exactly. understand that but to have five commercials every two laps at some point you got to figure it out well maybe this might just be a result of not enough people in the stands and not enough people coming to the races i don't know if that's the case i don't know how this particularly works however it just seems like more and more commercials and less and less of the race well this is an interesting tidbit you already have the races on nbc Everybody has NBC because that's a regular channel. But some of the races will come on the NBC Sports Channel. Not everybody has that. Sometimes I don't get it because you have races coming on a channel that nobody has, and then you have the race full of commercials. Like when they have it on Fox Sports uh, 1, One, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody has Fox Sports 1 because it's not a part of uh, your you know regular program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because the writing is on the wall. NASCAR fans are tuning out. So it's almost as if NASCAR thought is, well, let's still get paid. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. There was an interesting article in USA Today by Jeff Gluck. And if you guys aren't familiar with him, he is one of the best when it comes to NASCAR coverage. Follow him on Twitter. He's always insightful. He's always writing really good articles about NASCAR. He's in the know. He's an insider. And we know him very well. We know him personally. And he's such a great guy, really down to earth and very knowledgeable about the sport. Well, one thing that kind of came out, an article that he had written was about NASCAR's decline meaning decline in viewership, decline in deals, decline, decline, decline. One thing that kind of came out was NASCAR's decline, whether it was NASCAR's decline in deals or NASCAR's decline in viewership. Fans are pretty much tuning out and sponsors are running for the hill. Interesting enough, and you guys let us know if you agree with this, the top three reasons that fans are tuning out according to this article that Gluck wrote, was that, number one, the cost. 
it seems as if tickets aren't the big culprit. People are okay with the price of the tickets. It's going to a race and paying for hotel and transportation. I can kind of co-sign on this. I took a trip to Michigan and Daytona last year. Now, this wasn't coming out of my pocket because I was invited down by a brand. However, I stayed at the Days Inn, and I can tell you, if you know me, I'm not staying at the Days Inn. That's You're not going to be not, caught dead at the Days Inn, no. right, Tam? <laughs> yeah, and as soon as I walked in, a roach said, hello, and I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. And he again, was on the I, bed with the remote already, like, yeah, hey, how's it going? <laughs> I don't knock people who stay at the Days Inn. Don't get me wrong. You stay where you stay. Yeah. It's just not my choice of hotels. Right. Like, I used to work at Hilton Corporate Office. Yeah, I'm not staying at the Days Inn. Right, but I see what you're saying. It's like even those hotels that... Yeah, I mean, it was... Are, are, are expensive, too. For three nights, the bill came up to $1,600. Oh, my God. A day's in? At a day's in with roaches. Wow. And I think drug addicts, because I saw people that were walking Holy around smokes. with black trash bags <laughs> full of clothes. The interesting thing is, I can't remember what driver, but one of the drivers, their hauler, was the property. So I was like, oh my God, is the crew staying here too? And in Michigan, I think it was the Days Inn or the Super 8 Motel 6. I don't know. It's all the same to me. My point is that a $1,600 hotel bill for (laughs) the Days Inn, I mean, like realistically, guys, like last year I was in Santorini and Mykonos in Greece. I can tell you, my bill wasn't that much, and I'm overlooking the Mediterranean Ocean. Yeah. Like, come on. That's um, crazy. But breakfast being served each day outside my room. Yeah. No, I'm not. Well, I can understand. Well, I wonder if NASCAR and the surrounding hotels or motels could, like, work together and give these people that are coming to the races that are huge fans of the sport some kind of a discount. But why? You know because I mean? in most places, these tracks... That's the only time they get an opportunity to make money. Yeah. Like, who's really going to Talladega? Uh, I mean, I went not to, to watch a race. Yeah, I went yeah, to Talladega this year, and I stayed at where did I stay? I stayed in Atlanta at um at another Days Inn. No, <laughs> I can't think of a hotel. It was nice. I was disappointed though because the pool was closed. Uh-oh. But yeah, I drove up each day to Talladega because I'm not staying in those hotels. Wow. But nonetheless, so that was the number one reason. One of the reasons was the cost of the trip. Two other reasons that NASCAR fans seem to be tuning out is NASCAR's credibility is on the line. There were a bunch of fans that they talked to for this study that said that they were tired of the rules changing all the time and that the competition decisions they change each day. We talk about that each week. We don't know what's going on, and we watch NASCAR every right. every week. And other reason was that the experience is just different. It's not the same. You know, some people that they talked to talked about you could go to a race, and it was a weekend, and you could see performers, and it just was an experience. Right. Now, it's not really like that. So... As somebody who tries to get to more than a few races a year, I can pretty much say the same thing. But I also have to think, I've never been to a race without a hot pass. And although I will go to the track Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm typically on the other side. Right. And I do make a point to go to the fan zone, but that's usually because I'm going over there to get some food. I This is just my own thing. I feel as if the food on the other end is not as great as the food on the fans. Right. End. 
it's interesting. And now that the Sprint's sponsorship deal is up with NASCAR, hmm. it's going to be interesting to see who comes in and takes that spot. Renee, do you have any thoughts as to who you think is going to be? I'd go with like a beer company, Miller Lite, Budweiser, something like that. Somebody big that already does huge kind of events, sports things and and other kinds of deals like that. I totally understand where you were coming from when you say you see it from one point of view and you've really never done it like from a fan's point of view. It's tough. It's always tough to try to judge it that way. And I've kind of done the same way. I've never been to a NASCAR race just as a fan where I've had to pay for a ticket. I've had to go and book a, a hotel room, whether it's at a Days Inn or a, <laughs> a Holiday Inn. But I can understand that it's something that you can't really speak for because you've never had to do that. And I've never had to do that. I've always had a hot pass. And when you look at it from one standpoint and not the other, I can kind of understand like what NASCAR is saying and what these fans go through. It sounds like a headache. And I'm to telling me, you it is a headache. Right. I mean, so to me that it sounds like a headache, I know it has to be a migraine for fans who actually have to do this. They have to actually set up and plan this entire trip of wh when to go down, uh, how many days to go down, where are we going to stay, how to book it, how much, the tickets, the food. And you're right. Maybe it is an experience that they're missing. I don't know if they maybe need to, you know, have a country star come out and maybe a, a couple of songs. Or you look at football, you look at basketball, and those things have become so commercialized. And I know that we're maybe talking apples and oranges here because NASCAR is completely different. But and I know like football and basketball are just on a on a completely higher different stage than NASCAR. But maybe this is something NASCAR can maybe like look to invest in. And I don't know anything about their finances or how they use their finances. But if they can maybe use something and utilize that, maybe that might help. I don't know. Well, the question is, does NASCAR really care? And that's the and that's question. Who, yes. I mean, there you and go. I, there was one comment that said NASCAR is not the same. They don't feel as if NASCAR feels the same about them. At some point, it's all going to come to a head, as the old people say, and there's going to be a breaking point. In the meantime, NASCAR will seek a new sponsor. I personally think they're going to announce the sponsor probably in the fall, maybe around October, because mm -hmm. this way we're getting close to the chase and not to anger the current sponsor, right. Sprint. I'm feeling as if it could be Budweiser. I don't know. I definitely think it's going to be somebody that is current in the sport. Right. If you guys have an opinion on who you think uh, is going to be the next sponsor or about anything that we've talked about on this particular episode, regardless of what we've already talked about, whether it was Joey and Kislowski and uh, the whole uh, Eric Amarola and all this stuff that we talk about, please hit us up on our social media and give us your opinion and let us know your two cents. We'd love to hear from you. and We love your feedback. And you can uh, hit us up on our social media on our twitter and instagram facebook and all that stuff is turns no breaks that's at turns no breaks so moving on to our predictions and before we get to our predictions we will give you the fan comment of the week right this just so happens to be a question from a fan and this comes from the NASCAR Reddit board, which if you guys haven't been there, is pretty intriguing. If you're a NASCAR fan, you'll find yourself spending at least 45 minutes to an hour just reading some of the comments, some of the craziness, some of the food for thought. It's really an interesting board. Yeah. So one commenter asked a question and made the statement, food for thought. 
Will we ever see another super speedway built? A commenter chimed in by the name of Dallas Fluff J, and he said no. Both Talladega and Daytona were projects by Bill France Sr., and even back then, they were seen as unsafe. When Dega had its opening race, a lot of drivers protested because speeds were hitting 194-plus miles per hour, and they didn't want to die. Another commenter also said, because the tires were falling apart, they didn't mind doing 200 miles per hour. It was the sudden stops that they didn't care for. Another commenter said, let's effing do it. 75 degrees banking. <laughs> you know, everybody has their thoughts on whether or not we should build another super speedway. But the reality is it's probably not going to happen because no. the big one that happens every time we race at Daytona or the big one that happens every time we race at Talladega, nobody likes the accident. Right. Fans, old school fans, Love it. Yeah. But the reality, as NASCAR moves more towards safety, 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 that's not happening. Yeah, especially with uh, people nowadays who are really into their drivers and they want to see their drivers win. And when they have a big accident or any accident, especially like the ones that happened uh, this past weekend in, in Daytona, uh, where you have a big accident like that and it takes out really good drivers, Matt Kenseth, Kevin Harvick, Dale Jr., and some of the other guys that were in the accident, including Jamie McMurray and Jimmy Johnson, you know, people like to see their race car drivers finish. And I'm totally, I totally understand that and I get it. But uh, you're right. Old school fans, they love it. But the newer fans, uh, I, I think they like to see their drivers finish the race at least. It gives them uh, a, a, ment a mental state of going, hey, my driver still has a shot. So I get it. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Okay, so predictions. Predictions, predictions, predictions. This coming week, we are at Kentucky. Kentucky. So, I know you probably have, I can almost like already see your top two, but I'm just going to give you my top two. I think with all the races that have gone on within the last five to six weeks, I'm not sure who to pick. It's like I want to pick the regulars, but... Look at our drivers that we've had that have won within the five, six weeks that we've had races. And I look at Smoke, I look at Martin Truex Jr., I look at Kurt Busch, and it's possible that just because the way the season is gone, I might say Denny Hamlin could win this race, but I'm going to use him as a dark horse because I think what I am going to do is I'm going to go back with Kevin Harvick winning this race. I'm, I'm going to say Kevin Harvick comes out on top in Kentucky, and I know that that whole accident happened but i'm going with kevin harvick and denny hamlin as my dark horse so before i give you my predictions you know i have to give you a little history if you didn't know we've had what five sprint cup races and to give you a little backstory how bush won in 2011 brad keselowski won in 2012 matt kenseth won in 2013 brad keselowski 2014 and Kyle Busch in 2015. In Xfinity races that have been run there, Ryan Blaney has won multiple times. Blaney? Yes. Brad Keselowski has also won multiple times in the Xfinity race. And Kevin Harvick has won in the Xfinity race in Kentucky. So with that being said, my pick, and this is just based on history alone, I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. 
And the reason why is because Kyle Bush was right there this weekend in Daytona. Yeah, he was. That guy's itching for a win. Mm -hmm. He can smell it. As they would say, he wants some respect on his name. Yeah, I think so. So I think he is going to win. So Kyle Bush is my pick for Kentucky for the Quaker 400. And that dark horse? My dark horse is Brad Keselowski. Because I'm feeling as if Brad... You know, he's feeling himself. Yeah, he and is. And not to mention, this guy has won four and, or five times at Kentucky. And Brad's like one of those guys where he's feeling himself. He's really good. He can rattle off like three, four wins in a row or win four out of five races. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I can totally see that happening. Okay, NASCAR fans, that is it for this week. Let us know who your predictions are. As Renee would always tell you, but I'm going to tell you today, make sure to check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We can be found at Turns No Breaks. Again, our username is Turns No Breaks. The website is www.allturnsnobreaks. Again, the website is All Turns No Breaks. And that is it for us. Make sure to check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, in your car, on your way to work. That's right. And you can also find us on personal social media. You can find Tam on her Twitter account. I am Sincerely Tam. And you can also find me on my Twitter, my Instagram, and if you have Snapchat, you can also find me at It's Renee Garcia. So please hit us up. Please come back and let us know how we're doing. We love your feedback. And we'll see you next week on another episode of All Turns, No Breaks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 